Well, another day, another dollar, another week of NBA. Smithy's alongside of me. And, mate, I know we see this every single week, but the quality of basketball that we are being treated to this season is genuinely phenomenal. Uh, I think you can place that depending on who you barrack for because the quality of basketball <laughs> I've seen, been seeing lately has been absolutely shit ass. But uh, we'll get to that a bit later. Overall, the league's in a very good spot, though. Yeah, the league's definitely in a very good spot, mate. Let's pull out our biggest and best Enrique Iglesias impression, but don't actually sing. Uh, Hero of the week, mate. And it took an almighty performance because Giannis put up a hell of a fight only 24 hours after we recorded last week with a 40-plus point game. But we've got a man who uh, went to town only a couple of days ago. Yeah, and he he had to miss some time, uh, but he's come back with a bang. There's rumours around his team at the moment. So he's standing tall and his name is Joel Embiid. Yeah, he dominated against Charlotte and we'll touch on that game in a second. But 43-15-7-1, and 15-20 from the field, 12-14 from the free throw line and he was plus seven in a game that they won by three points, mate. That is an all-round dominating performance. Yeah, it was a performance that a lot of people expected him to put up in terms of throughout the year. Um, with no Ben Simmons, obviously, it all falls on his shoulders, really. So um, it was a big individual performance and one that got the Philadelphia 76ers over the line in an outstanding game, which, geez, we've had some good segues on this show, but that takes the cake, I think. Yeah, it honestly does, mate. And Philly and Charlotte, that game that we were talking about is the game that we're going to speak about because, honestly, both of these teams took the piss during this one. In fact, Charlotte had an amazing week. All three of their games decided by four points or less. And we honestly could have put all three of them in here. Yeah, they had a very exciting week. uh, And that's the theme of theirs. They're very fun to watch. But I think this one probably took the cake in terms of quality. It definitely did, especially since when uh, Milwaukee played Charlotte. You said, if it's not game of the week, I'm quitting the show. And then when we were going through our game of the week nominations, it uh, barely got a mention, mate. So how quickly the uh, opinions can change. Yeah, no, I thought as soon as that game happened, I was like, we're not going to get better than this. But um, the, the the Philly game was an absolute beauty. Yeah, it was 127-124 Philly over the Hornets. We already spoke about Joel Embiid, but Tobias Harris, 21-11-4. He was very good as well. And uh, Shake Milton. Uh, our man, we've spoken about him. I reckon we spoke about him in one of the preseason shows, mate, as a uh, a fun player to watch. Had 16 as well for the Hornets. Kelly Oubre Jr., hasn't he fit in well at the Hornets? He had 35, 5, 3, and four steals, so he did it all around the court. And Miles Bridges, my favourite for most improved player, mate, 16, 6, and 6. But like you said, with how entertaining Charlotte is and considering we don't barrack for them, we're not going to complain when these types of games are served up to us. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll take one of these every day if we could. Um, it was an absolute <laughs> cracker to watch. Now, it's fair to say when it comes to the Rookie of the Week, and that's what we're going to move on to, the only person that was not sick of Scotty Barnes being a multiple winner of this award is you, because you built, supported, funded the Scotty Barnes bandwagon. But we have a, uh, a second multiple winner of Rookie of the Week, mate, and he genuinely took the piss. Yeah, he had his name all over this week's edition of the Rookie of the Week. Um, dominated, uh, and he's the number one pick, does the mm. Cade Cunningham from Detroit. Who would have thought if you give him time, he can produce? But no, four games in, and he's a bust, apparently. God, I hate NBA fans sometimes. 
Love our fans. Don't like NBA on Twitter sometimes. But 23 and a half points, six and a half rebounds, five assists and a steal per game. That is taking the piss on levels we can only strive for, mate. That's a serious tweak. Uh, it is a serious <laughs> week. He, he's been balling and he's really the only bright spot in Detroit at the moment. So um, Pistons fans should be very happy to see him doing so well. Genuinely so, but he's still got another one to go to tie with Scotty Barnes, who's received three Rookie of the Week nominations. Cade Cunningham's got two. Our man, Josh Giddy, the horse, he's got one. And Evan Mobley, one as well, who did have a good week, it must be said. Uh, he was in contention, but Smithy, if there is one award that when every NBA player steps on the court, it is the inaugural TDs and threes MVP. And we've got three players here who, in other weeks, all of them could have gotten the three. And I think there's a couple of boys very stiff not to get the three, but there can only be one. Kick us off with who received the one vote, one of my boys. Yeah, and before I do that, I just want to give a special shout out to Zach Levine. Uh, in most other weeks, he oh, would yeah. have got a vote, averaging <laughs> thirty points, six assists, and six rebounds when his team has gone three and zero. But um, he was nowhere. Yeah, that, it, it just speaks to the quality of the players uh, that are coming up. So, yeah, a, a Celtic got the one vote, and uh, it's Jason Tatum. It is thirty-four points on fifty-three percent from the floor, forty-five and a half percent from three, eight rebounds, four assists. He probably should have gotten the two, mate, but when you go one and two for the week, and I'll talk more about that in Celtic chat in a minute, It, uh, I can't justify giving multiple votes if you can't get the team over the line in uh, what was two very winnable games. Yeah, well, we were very close on Jason Tatum and the two-vote getter, mm-hmm. uh, but the tiebreaker for us was that the man I'm about to introduce, who got the two votes, his team went 2-0, and oh, whereas the Celtics went 1-2. and two. So um, that's where the, the valuable part comes in. you got to be winning games. So that's where this bloke shined uh, for the Jazz, and his name's Donovan Mitchell. Well, he probably gets the two because of how he helped the Jazz beat the Celtics earlier in the week, mate. If the Celtics get up in that game, Jason Tatum probably gets the two. But yeah, Donovan Mitchell got two votes, 34.5 points on 56% shooting, my friend. Take that, 45.5% from three, couple of rebounds, six assists. He went 2-0 with a plus-minus of 11, and I think you and I put that plus-minus metric on a, a higher level than others because it shows the efficiency that you've got on the court, whether the ball is in your hands or not, and that's what valuable is. Yeah, exactly right. Um, it, it shows the overall impact you have on the floor um, and and how you're contributing to the team's success. So. Big stat for us, um, and I think our player with three votes had the exact same plus-minus on the week, mm-hmm. but his indiv- individual stats are ridiculous. So the big fella's already got a mention in the episode so far. Uh, his name is Joel Embiid with the three votes. He absolutely does. 35.5 points on 58% shooting, 13.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, a steal and a block per game. The Sixers went 2-0. His plus-minus was 11. And I think uh, Joel's just reminding the rest of the league that he's uh, one of the best in the game when he's fit. I think Philly fans will probably say no shit when I say this, but if he was healthy all the way through, mate, he would be a genuine threat for this award. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think there's so much talk around the 76ers Specifically this week, um, with a few things coming out about Ben Simmons that we'll get onto later, but there's been so much talk around the 76ers off the court. I think he wanted to come out and just remind everyone that, hey, there's a superstar in this city on the court and um, it's me. So 
sit back and watch me put on a clinic because that's what he did this week. He genuinely did. So let's get to the leaderboard, mate. Giannis is still out in front on six votes. Steph, Nikola Jokic, and Kevin Durant are all on five. Ja Morant, Paul George, Jason Tatum, and Joel Embiid are all on three. Christian Wood and Donovan Mitchell are on two. And Julius Randle, uh, Jimmy Butler, Trey Young, James Harden, and your man DeJounte Murray are all sitting on one vote. And at this stage, someone has to upset Christian Wood as our uh, weird leaderboard position getter. We had a fan question a couple of weeks ago on who we think might be a random vote getter. At this stage, it's Christian Woods to lose. Yeah, I'm still waiting for Jordan Clarkson to pop off for a week and um, average 30 and sneak in for a vote. But uh, yeah, Christian Wood, he had another good week, Christian Wood. I'm going to speak about his team pretty soon. Indeed, absolutely. So let's get to our team of the week, mate. Now, your Blazers reside in the West. My Celtics are in the East. So we watched their conferences. Who was your Western Conference team of the week? Who was the best of the West? You actually... uh, you haven't quite segued perfectly because I'm going to go with the Memphis Grizzlies. And I'll tell you why, Daz. Mm-hmm. They've won three games this week. Handy. They've been they've been good performances, mm-hmm. um, not against the greatest opposition. Um, they beat OKC, Dallas have been struggling, and then they beat a depleted Miami. But I'll tell you what's impressed me about Memphis. What's that, mate? Obviously, they had the record-breaking win where they mm-hmm. beat OKC by 73 points. And we will touch on that a bit good. further. Yeah. You have to be pretty bloody good to do that. But their defensive rating has been number one for the week in the NBA. Guess how many points clear they are in defensive rating? Well, you've got that uh, cocky smile about you, mate. So I reckon they're a few points clear. I'm going to say three or four, sitting comfortably up the top. Eight points clear. No, surely not. You've gotten that wrong. They had, a defen- they had a defensive rating of 89. The next highest in the league was the Sacramento Kings on 97. I don't know what surprises me more about that. The fact that it's an eight difference or the fact that Kings were second. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. But um, <laughs> that's just a huge discrepancy defensively. They've been on their game. They kept the Mavericks to 90 points. The Mavericks have been one of the best scoring offenses in the NBA for the last few years. So really, really impressive stuff. Um, and they're doing all this without Ja Morant which is even more impressive to me because he's obviously their big star. So uh, the Memphis Grizzlies get my team of the week. And it's flattening for you, mate, because you are the biggest Jar fan I think that I've ever met and the great man is performing since he's come under your tutelage. So I think Grizzlies fans are probably, I I don't want to say owe you a thank you, but I feel like if they want to pass one on pleasantly, I don't think you'll say no. You're a very charitable man. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll accept any thank yous. Um, I'll, I'll I'll also accept any criticism. So I'm I'm a pretty open book. Yeah, I like that. All right, since you beautifully segued into asking me who the beast of the East was, mate, I appreciate that. I love the flow of conversation that's happening here. Uh, I'm going to go with the Chicago Bulls. I mean, three and zero. They got the tough wins. They won by four over the Knicks and the Nets. Um, both one of those teams is I'll talk about a bit later on, but the win. Um, against Brooklyn. Anyone can beat Brooklyn. You've had a good night out. They then got Denver, who I know have struggled a little bit with injury and so forth, but a double-digit win, mate. Nothing to sneeze at there, plus 12. And if there is a team that is probably the best in the league for chemistry, I'd almost say that it's the Bulls at the moment. They are playing like a genuine team from the first player on the roster to the 10th. Yeah, their bench unit is really, really good. And 
That's what you look for um, during the regular season. If your bench can stand up and win your games, it's going to hold you in good stead come playoff time. So uh, Bulls fans have every reason to get pretty excited, I think. That's it, mate. And this is the only time that you'll ever be uh, called Leonardo DiCaprio because you're the wolf of Wall Street when it comes to the NBA. And it's time for the stock market, mate. We buy, hold, and sell a franchise each. We buy a franchise that we think is going to explode next week and has been exploding. We're going to hold a team we want to see more of. And we are going to sell a franchise that, frankly, we've had a gut full of. And I'm looking forward to this. But let's start with the positives, mate. Who are you buying? I'm going to hold, I'm going to buy the Houston Rockets. Like um, they've been very good. They're, they've gone 3-0 and on the week. Now, granted, they haven't beaten the best of opposition uh, they had a four-point win against OKC, a two-point win against Orlando, and a 10-point win against New Orleans. But when you're a young roster, banking wins is so important. And they're actually on a six-game winning streak, Dazzling, for a team who was projected to have the worst record in NBA history. They've seriously bounced back. And i got to give a lot of credit to the coaching since they went to the... Uh, since they went against the two big starting lineup and they've just had Christian Wood at center, they've done really well. And they've got such a, an exciting young team. Obviously, you've got Jalen Green, you've got Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, and they've still got John Wall on the roster, who they're just not using, which is bizarre to me. But, you know, they, they've been good to watch and I'm sort of buying into the thing that they're building for the future. I like that, mate. They would be equal fifth in the moment if the roster was just the last 10 games. So they're flying at the moment, the Rockets. I like that. Again, I love how you've segued beautifully into who I'm buying, but I'll answer the question that you've so eloquently asked of me. Um, It's a weird one, this one, because my buy is actually the lowest um, in the standings of all three teams that I'm going to talk about. I know it sounds strange, but you've bought them previously. I'm jumping on board. The Toronto Raptors, I'm buying for purely the fun that they bring. Uh, Scotty Barnes, I know he's been your man, but I'm happy to jump on board the bandwagon that you've so brilliantly built, mate. And for a team for a four-quarter hustle, they're the kind of team that I don't think anyone could turn off if they happen to come across their TV and they're watching a game that they don't support. So I know Toronto kind of slipped into irrelevancy, it seemed, when Kawhi Leonard left, but they've got a fan in Dazzling and, frankly, what more do you need? That's it. As long as Dazzling's on your side, then you're laughing. You're going to be leaping buildings in the single bound, let me tell you. All right, mate, who do you need to say a bit more of next week? Who are you holding? I'm going to hold the Miami Heat. Oh, boy. Um, I'm a big fan of the Miami Heat, so this one hurts me. Uh, but just looking at the week they've had, they went one and three. They've got a lot of injuries going on. Uh, Bam Adebayo's out for a while. Jimmy Butler's been in and out of the lineup. So they're, they're dealing with injuries uh, I have faith that Miami are one of the best teams in the East when fully healthy, but I just want to hold and see how they go um, coming up against some pretty good teams. They've got to face Chicago, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia in three of their next four games. So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate this tough little uh, stretch of games. Yeah, I agree, mate. I am going to hold... The Knicks, now, I can't really explain why they're 11th in the East. Even though they weren't in our playoff bracket, there's something about 11th that just doesn't sit right um, with me. I feel like they're a better team than that, but they're not showing it. They lost to the Spurs. They lost to the Nuggets. They lost to the Bulls. And before that, they lost to Brooklyn on the day that we last 
um, spoke about. Sorry, they beat the Spurs. They didn't lose to the Spurs. They beat the Spurs, but before that, lost to the Knicks and the Bulls. They've got the Pacers, the Raptors, the Bucks, and the Warriors. And I feel like if they go one and three, then they might be my sell next week. They're good enough to go two and two and go toe to toe with the Bucks. So I think they've matched up on okay in the past. So. I think I need to see a bit more from Madison Square Garden because when they're up and about, mate, the roof gets ripped off that joint. Yeah, and we, we've spoken about how fun it is for the the Knicks to be good in this league, and they've they've really hit a plateau, and um, it's disappointing. Hopefully, they I think they need to make a trade. I honestly think they need to make a trade, um, get Kemba off the roster, try and get a piece that you can use back for him. Uh, if he has any sort of worth uh, and trade value left. But, um, yeah, I, I think they need a mini shake-up, the Knicks. Mm, and I don't mind that at all. But this is where we kind of get to open the arms up a bit, mate. Who are you selling? Who are you absolutely sick of? You like dazzling at a buffet? You've had a gutful? Who's on the chopping block? Who are you selling? I'm selling Oklahoma City for one reason, one reason only. Yeah, this is fair. They lost the game this week by an NBA record margin of 73 points. How the fuck do you lose by 73 points in the NBA, mate? Like, that, it's just ridiculous. I think Absolutely played, ridiculous. I think they played their G League team and they didn't have Shea or our man Josh Giddy. They still had Lou Dort, who's been very good. They still had Darius Baisley, who's been very good. But seriously, I, I don't care who you roll out. You cannot lose a game by 73 points. God, give me a break. The Grizzlies had... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players in double-digit scoring. Mm. Nine in mm. double-digit scoring, including six bench players. Yeah. Just stupid. Um, yeah, so I'm selling them for that reason and that reason only. Now, I went with the 12th place team to buy, the 11th place team to hold. I'm actually selling the 10th seed, mate. How's that for a bit of descending numeracy, but it's actually the 10th seed in the West. Your Portland Trailblazers, as far as I'm concerned, can get fucked. You promised me, you sat here last week and you went dazzling. We are unbeatable at home. It's no one can touch us. We are impenetrable, our fortress. Uh, How did that go, I hear you ask? You were minus 71 in points differential across three games of basketball. You scored 83, 90, and then 117. And if I do the quick math in my head, that's averaging uh, 90 points a game. No, that's terrible math by me. Uh, 290, so we're looking at 93 points a game. Yep, that'll work. Uh, 0-3 for the week, mate, going genuinely shithouse. And you talked about how I segued poorly. I've segued beautifully because the Blazers breakdown, it might actually be a breakdown from you trying to discuss this shit. But you went none and three this week, mate. Open up those arms. Go off. This this could get ugly. Um, There's a fantastic chant uh, that goes around in the EPL circles. I can't remember the team. You're, you're a bit more... Um, well rehearsed on the EPL, so you might be able to fill us in. But I see it going around on Twitter all the time, and it's a bunch of fans in the tunnel after a game. And the chant is simple. It goes like this. We're fucking shit. We're fucking shit. We're fucking shit. And it just goes on and on and on. And I think the Portland Trailblazers fans need to incorporate it into their um, – during the game entertainment, because that's essentially what it is at the moment. <laughs> it has been an absolute shit show. 
this is the most diabolical situation I've seen in Portland since I've been a fan dating back to 2012. Uh, it's just been the last week, especially it's been an absolute whirlwind, absolute shitstorm. to be honest. Um, there's a lot of off court stuff going on. I'm going to save that because we're going to talk about that in hot headlines, but purely on court, it hasn't been pretty. Uh, we've got the worst defensive rating in the NBA by a long way. Um, we've given up big scores this week. We gave up 145 to your um, Boston Celtics, mate. Which Happy is, birthday to you, pal. Yeah, it's just not okay. Uh, we gave up 114 to the Spurs in a 31-point loss. It's just picture the worst possible scenario, and it's 10 times worse than that. I'm fucking over it, to be honest. I'm seriously over it. Um, I've put up with a lot of frustration with this franchise in terms of lack of roster movement, poor coaching, and now it's all come to a head. And, um, yeah, my, my feelings towards the franchise at the moment aren't very good. So it's, it's a sad time to be a Blazer fan. Um, I genuinely hope Damian Lillard gets traded. And that is purely because I love the man and I think he deserves so much better than what he's been given in Portland. The disrespect they've treated him treated him with. The only thing he wanted a say in during the offseason was who they announced as coach. And he had two options. They picked neither of them. So the, the one thing they actually give him a say in in nine years and they completely disregard it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um so yeah, I am. I'm fed up. I'm sick of it. I am fucking over it. And they picked a coach to help their defensive unit because your defense was where it was leaking. And not only is your defense gotten considerably worse, it turns out you can't score either. So you're just dominating on both ends of the floor, mate. Yeah, it's not pretty. Um, and I don't blame Chauncey Billups for that. The roster construction is fucking horrific, and. It's on Neil Olshay, who we will talk about. But seeing the back of him in Portland, I was so happy. I was over the moon. You got my initial reaction. You're the first person I spoke to mm. after it happened, and you would be able to um, tell the listeners how joyous I was. You were basically leaping out of your chair, mate, and that's uh, can only be a good thing. So, I mean, look, fingers crossed things do get more positive. As much fun as it is goading you about this, we need the big fella up and about because it delivers the best content. Um, who have you got? You've got Golden State, Minnesota, and Phoenix by the time we record again. This could be uh, another 0-3 week, mate. Yeah, it really does shape to be that way. Um, mm. This roster needs a huge shakeup, and that's an understatement. And another two games at home. So at some point, can you guys figure it out in your own building? Yeah. It, it, oh, it, <laughs> yeah. All right. We're on to the Boston breakdown. <laughs> I've had enough. Days, he's, tell, he's, yeah. tell me about your Celtics, mate. Well, we were somehow very good this week despite going one and two. And I know how that sounds, and I'm not saying that in my pessimistic ways, as you know that I can be, mate. But we beat the 76ers in what can only be described as a genuine scrap. There was no classy play in this game at all. We took away Joel Embiid's shot mostly effectively. Shout out to Al Horford, who spent some time at the Sixers, mate. So he got a good uh, understanding of where Embiid could slow down. So you'll take that. 
came up against the Jazz, and the only way we were going to lose that game is if the Jazz couldn't miss from three. And then they hit, I think, eight out of ten in a seven-minute stretch. And I think seven of them were contested. So the defender was within two feet. What are you meant to do there? So you got to swallow that loss. Um, had a big win over your boys. And on any other day, mate, I would have genuinely loved it. But you're having your birthday celebration. So you deserved better than a 28-point win. And then we went up against the Lakers and decided, fuck it, we don't need to play basketball anymore. We're, we're pretty good from where we're at because LeBron came out four minutes into the game. LeBron had two points, one rebound and one assist. By quarter time, he had 16 points, three rebounds and two assists. So that pretty much summed up our day. 15-point loss there. We've got the Clippers, Phoenix and the Bucks the next time we talk, mate. So we could be Norton 3 um, when yeah, we talk again. Tough- and we'll both be we'll be in a bit of trouble. The Bucks is at home, and then after that, let's just I know we're skipping forward a bit, but listen to these matchups here. So Phoenix, uh, Clippers, Phoenix, Bucks, and then next time we talk, it'll be Warriors, Knicks, Sixers. So another tough lineup. Then from there, Cleveland, Milwaukee, and an improving Minnesota. So that's what we've got up to Christmas and then the first game after Christmas. It's the Celtics could literally be 14 and 20 next in our first show post Christmas. And that is something that does not deliver me much joy. So I am quietly optimistic. I am forever pessimistic, as you know, but let's get into the hot headlines, mate, because it concerns both of us. We'll start with your blazers. Now, Neil O'Shea got the flick. Uh, Shams reported that Dame wants to play with Ben Simmons and every analyst from um, here to Hong Kong, it seems like, mate, thinks that Dame is only going to one of two places, the Sixers and the Celtics. So we'll get your take on um, Neil Olshay first and then where Dame could end up and what's the best trade package you could get from him. So what do you think about the GM? Do you have anyone in mind that might be able to replace him? A former Celtics GM is on the market, but um, oof, I was frustrated with him at Boston, so I'm not sure if you want that on your side. What did you make of the whole situation? Yeah, um, this move was about four years overdue, to be completely honest. Um, he never showed that he was a good GM, I believe. Um, I think he got quite lucky in terms of um drafting he drafted some really really good players from really small schools that a lot of people didn't think would pan out i think he got lucky they did pan out and they've carried the franchise he has been unable to put anything of note around damian lillard um he traded two first round picks for robert covington who has been a walking rubbish bin on a basketball court since he came to Portland. Came to be a 3 and D player. Can't shoot the three and can't defend. So, um, yeah, big tick for that one, Neil. Uh, <laughs> he decided he wanted use of Nurkic over Nikola Jokic when we traded with the Denver Nuggets. Look Huge. how that's turned out. <laughs> he was just useless. He was just terrible. Um, and... We are in a better spot already now that he's gone. So I'm thankful that has happened. In terms of a, of a replacement, I can't say I have a lot of knowledge around the front office side of things in terms of personnel. I know Danny Ainge did play in Portland. He had a stint in Portland. So um, 
you know, that's probably the only name that really comes to mind when I think of the vacancy, but I'm sure we'll do some um, very in-depth interviewing and pick the right candidate, hopefully. Uh, in terms of trade, Dame has come out and said that he wants to stay in Portland. He's been saying that all along. I think it's the media who have created this narrative that he wants out. I think if anything, if anyone's getting traded, it's CJ McCollum. Mm. And like I said, this should have happened four years ago <laughs> because it was completely obvious in about the third time in a row we got bounced in the playoffs that, hey, you can't beat a really good team with two six three guards who can't defend. News break, like I thought it was pretty obvious, but we've persisted with it for about six years now and only just realizing it's not the formula. Plus, we re-signed a six three small forward. So our first three players from the point guard to the small forward are six foot three. Mm. Norman Powell's been amazing and I'm so glad we re-signed him, but mm. it's just not a recipe for success. You need to move Norman Power to the shooting guard. You need to get a big, versatile forward who can defend. Um, so anything surrounding Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum, I have ticked off. How long have I said that on this show? <laughs> In the preseason shows, I was saying trade CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons. It's getting circulated again. I just want it to happen. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So the other team, we'll talk about the Celtics, your arch nemesis. Colin Cowherd, who we discuss a lot on the NFL show compared to here, thinks that um, the Trailblazers need to ring up the Celtics and go, here's Dame, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and three first-rounders will be to go, and that can probably get negotiated down to two. I know you're a big Jalen Brown fan, and I think you share my frustrations when it comes to Marcus Smart. I know you would be losing an icon, but you would automatically get two well, probably one and a half elite defenders and Jalen Brown can still give you 20 points a night. Is that the best package you've seen so far? So I think it probably is the best package I've seen. Um, I've seen a lot of bad ones, mind you, for Dan. Um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of good ones floating around surrounding CJ that I like. I, it's weird because my head wants Damian Lillard to stay. But my heart wants him to go purely because I want better for him. And, you know, it's, it's, I know it's going to set back the franchise and my team, but I want him to have success more than anything. So uh, it's a bit of a tricky one. I think if we can, if it has to come down to trading Dame, I think something around Jalen Brown would probably be what I want. Um, And then that way you can flip CJ for something because I like Anthony Simons as a future point guard. I really do. Uh, and that would leave you with a lineup of Anthony Simons at the point guard, Norman Powell, Jalen Brown, you know, Robert Covington, if he survives and Yusuf Nurkic, I don't know what we're going to do with him, but I've seen some trades involving Miles Turner coming to Portland, which I would be a huge fan of. So <laughs> I think by the end, this time next year, the Portland Trailblazers roster is going to look a hell of a lot different, and I'm looking forward to it because it needs a shake-up. For two years, and it's hard to prove because we're on a podcast, but for two years, you were essentially yelling at me to yell at Boston to trade for Miles Turner before we got Al Horford back. And if it bites us on the ass and you end up getting him, mate, then I think that's a huge relief. You're a big fan of Miles Turner, probably more so than even some Pacers fans. Yeah, I love his game. I think he's a perfect... uh, 
modern NBA center, and I think his skill set would fit what Damian Lillard wants to do so much better than Yusuf Nurkic. Mm. All right, let's move on, mate. A Jar Morantless Memphis Grizzlies set a new NBA record with a 73-point win over a Shea and Josh Giddeless OKC. feel like those two things need to be put in there, mate. Now, I understand those people that say, hang on, they're all missing their best player and their best rookie. Yeah, you can do that and get blown out, Smitty, but 73 fucking points is... Not even close to justifiable, in my opinion. Where do you stand? Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's ridiculous that that can happen in a professional environment. I don't care who they're missing. Yeah. You need you need to have pieces who are capable of playing at the professional level, and to lose by 73 without and the other team didn't have their best player. Yeah. It's not like they played the Nets with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving playing, or it's not like they played the Lakers with LeBron, Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis. They played the Grizzlies without Ja Morant. Yep. And they lost by 73 points. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It, it, it There's no other word to describe it. It was embarrassing. Well, I know it took, I think it took thir- 29 years for the record to be broken. Surely we are going to have to wait until you and I are in the throes of middle age for a team to come even close to this again. Surely. I really hope so. I really hope so. And it's a case of just, please, don't fucking let it be my team. <laughs> Anyone <laughs> else, <laughs> please. All right, let's move on, mate. Uh, we've actually got four hot headlines here, so I want to get through this third one quickly. Um, we talked about Zion a few shows ago, but now he's got the delay. He's got another foot injury. We speculated whether he was uh, out of shape and not taking it particularly seriously because of the frustrations with the Pelicans. I'm actually now going the other way and saying everyone in that Pelicans organization can now be frustrated at Zion if the medical team have gone, he's done the wrong thing here because this is now a joke. Yeah, it's it's getting a little bit out of hand. It's spiraling out of control, I think is the term that I would use in mm. terms of the situation. But on this topic, people on social media need to stop. Yes. Because there have been that many photoshopped images of him making him look like he weighs about 350 pounds going around. No, that's not fair on him. Yes, he's not playing at the moment. Yes, maybe there's question marks over his rehabilitation and you know the dedication he's put into getting his body right, but that is no reason for you to Photoshop him to make him look bigger than what he is. There was a photo that came out unphotoshopped. It was for all the right reasons. It was a dad and a son who bumped into Zion somewhere in New Orleans, posted the photo because Zion was good enough to take a photo with him, and he looked in good shape. Hmm. Yes, he's a... Solid guy, he always has been, but he looked in healthy playing shape. So all of this stuff saying that he's 350 pounds and the top 10 heaviest basketball players of all time, stop it. Cut it out. Leave the bloke alone. Yeah, and I'd love to know the percentages of the people commenting on Twitter who are in ready-made shape, mate. It's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous, frankly. But And I guess that kind of leads us into the point. I mean, you can, you can criticise on the court. That's what sport is. But 
off the court, if you wouldn't do it to like your next door neighbor, why would you do it to a guy who is at least 10,000 times better at the thing that you're watching on TV? It blows my mind that you could go after someone personally where in an instant you'd swap lives with them. I just, it befuddles me, frankly. And it's, um, it's probably my biggest frustration when it comes to social media for all of its good things, mate. It's stuff like this that just absolutely shits you. Uh, and I think you summed it up beautifully. Last thing, mate, and we're going to get to the hot takes. We're going to hear from the fans, which I know you can't wait for the return of the hot takes. The Indiana Pacers have finally admitted that they want to either retool or rebuild depending on who goes. Now, I know they've offered up one of three players, but the two that I want to talk about is I have a theory that if they trade Miles Turner, they're trying to retool. If they trade them onto Sabonis, they're going to rebuild because of the age difference and the fact that Sabonis needs to win now. So we'll, you started on Turner, so we'll start with him. I feel like Miles Turner would fit in more franchises right now than Sabonis. If you were the Pacers, which one would you trade and why? And if you had to pick somewhere that wasn't Portland, because we've already spoken about it, where is Miles Turner's best fit? Yeah, I agree with everything you've just said. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Miles Turner could slide into any NBA team right now and be a valuable asset. And that's why the Pacers need to trade him, because I feel like they're going to get a better deal for him because they've got Sabona sitting there who can just slide to the center. They've got a ready-made replacement for him. And I think all around Sabonis is a better player. Mm-hmm. And he's the player that you'd want to build around. Whereas Turner, you need a piece for him to be around mm-hmm. instead of building around Miles Turner. So I think you trade Turner. Uh, just off the top of my head, a place where I could see him going. Geez, he'd be scary in Golden State. I'm just going to put that right out there. Um, He would would be frightening in Golden State. Mm. I'd I'd really love to see him on the Hornets. Yeah. Because they have a weakness at center. Mm. And I think his play style would suit them beautifully. I can just picture him now in a Hornets uniform, going up and blocking a dunk, coming down, LaMelo ball, feeding him and him hitting a three. I can just picture it right now. So, uh, yeah, but I'd love to see him in Portland. I'd love to see him in Charlotte. Those are probably the two that stand out for me. Well, for me, it was actually, I had Sabonis at Charlotte as my team that I was going to pick. So there we go. We're sort of on a similar path. I'm going to bring up a team for Miles Turner that I don't think has been spoken about enough. And I think it fits beautifully. And I'm sure if I sound ridiculous, you're going to tell me, why wouldn't he fit at Dallas? And why is like, no one talking about it. Luca needs help shooting. Luca's not the best defender. Miles Turner is. And if Chris Stapps, Paul Zingas wants to keep playing like a power forward, you've got a guy at the five. I think it fits and no one's really talking about it. What do you think? Yeah, I think it fits. I'm not I saying would... it's the best fit. I'm just saying it's a fit that not many people are discussing and it still could happen. I'd be concerned coming up against small ball lineups, though. Paul Zingas isn't a power forward, no matter how badly he wants to be. He just isn't a power forward. <laughs> so if you were if you were to face someone, let's I'm going to go back to the Hornets because I'm on the top of my mind now. But mm-hmm. they've been playing either Gordon Haywood, Miles Bridges, or Kelly Oubre at the power forward. Mm-hmm. Imagine Paul Zingas trying to guard any of those. Yeah, and you've got you know you got Golden State who run a lineup who are going to be running a lineup of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and probably James Wiseman when he comes back. Porzingis isn't guarding any of those players. 
So I think Miles Turner coming in helps you defensively, but sliding Porzingis to the four makes the defense even worse. So I, I don't love Dallas as a fit, to be honest. Fair enough, mate. All good. All right, let's talk about DeMontis Sabonis, the man that I fell in love with when he won me a uh, NBA fantasy title. Um, I like, I love Charlotte as the fit, and you explained it um, beautifully. I think Sabonis at the shooting the three isn't as good as Miles Turner. Uh, I think he's better in the paint than Miles Turner is. So, on paper, those two should actually complement them uh, each other, perhaps beautifully. Maybe they're both sort of four and a halves instead of pure fours or pure fives, but. Uh, best fit for Sabonis for you. And if the Pacers do trade him, do they go, do they need to get players or picks back, do you think? If they trade Sabonis, I think they need picks. Um, I so think, OKC? <laughs> yeah, OKC. But um, I sort of like the LA Clippers in this spot. Um, I think they could use a, a, a dominant big man um, who you can feed the ball to. Especially if they get when they get Kawhi Leonard, not if when they get Kawhi Leonard back. Imagine your front court of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Demontis Sabonis. It it's got a pretty good ring to it. I think a smoky team would be the Spurs. They've got picks, and he just seems like a Spurs player to me, Sabonis. So um, I think if they were to try and sort of rebuild on the fly with Dejounte Murray and their young core, they've got both young players with trade value and picks. So. The Spurs would be my smoky team, but I'd like to see him on the Clippers. Dang, I like it. Let's get to the hot takes, mate. Every two or three weeks, we like reaching out to fans and they uh, comment, mate, their takes. Now, you gave out a, well, uh, I wouldn't say an award, but you announced the best take, the take that you agreed with the most, and we're going to do it again. Here, let's get stuck into it. Jeff Davies, Alex Caruso and Patty Mills were the standout pickups in free agency, even though DeRozan's been great. I'd still say DeRozan's been more valuable to his team, but I think those two have definitely gone under the radar. Mm. Um, the fact that Alex, the Lakers didn't want to offer Alex Caruso $5 million, it just baffles me considering their biggest weakness is perimeter defense. And what is he really good at? <laughs> perimeter defense. So <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? That, that's a real head scratcher. But um, yeah, Pat, especially like when with the Kyrie drama, for the Nets to get Patty Mills, who's just stepped in and been incredible, that, that's a that's a massive tick for them. If they had have had Kyrie, Patty Mills might be the sixth man of the year and we would have looked like absolute geniuses. So um, let's move on. Lockie Wright, Darius Garland is the Cavs' future and Colin Sexton should be traded at, te- at season's end. Your thoughts? Yeah, I love this. Yeah, um, I'm a fan of this too. I, th- I think they're both good players, hmm. but I think... Darius Garland has a higher ceiling. Um, I think his skill set suits the NBA. He, he's a lot smoother, in my opinion, um, with the dribble, and he's a better playmaker. So I agree with that take. All right. So they're sort of the entrees. Let's get into the main course here, and I'm just going to throw you in the deep end. Gavin Spalls, I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Chris Paul is the most clutch player of, player of all time considering the last five minutes of single-digit games. That is a huge call. I don't say I hate it, but I love the boldness. It's bold. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Um, Look, I can't go that far. Uh, When I think of clutch, my mind just goes straight to Michael Jordan, and I think for very good reasons. Um, MJ and Kobe Bryant are definitely one, two for me, but Chris Paul is underrated in terms of his clutch ability, I think. 
Mm. I think a lot of people give him shit because he's never won a ring and he's lost a lot of playoff series. But you got to remember, he's he was the standout on his team for all of those playoff series and made some really big shots. So I sort of I like where he's headed, but I think he was just went a bit too far with it. He is the king of bettering rosters too, Chris Paul, which is a fantastic compliment to have. Uh, Wayne Patsy, Kevin Durant is not the greatest scorer of all time, which I kind of, I feel like he's gone half a hot take there because like I kind of agree, but like we've talked about him being like if there was a one-on-one contest, Kevin Durant would be the best player in the league. Absolutely. So whilst I think he's right, I don't know if he's gone bold enough there. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think he's probably right. Um, I think he's he's definitely the best all-around scorer. I think the most dominant scorer, probably Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with his skyhook. Mm. The bloke could just put up 35 in his sleep. <laughs> and I know he was playing against dentists and vets back in the day, but Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 points a game. Let's not forget that. Yeah, let's absolutely so that That's pretty much a dominant scorer. So I, I think he's the best all-around scorer skill set-wise, but there's been more dominant scorers in the past. I agree. Levi Suda says, if Steph wins MVP, he's the greatest point guard of all time. Now, hard for us to say all time, mate, because we are way too young to assess that. My sort of question with this take is, is wouldn't it mean more for his legacy to win another ring than it would an MVP? Um, Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Although another MVP would look great on the resume. Um. As you said, it's hard for us to measure all time because you've got the names of Magic Johnson, Oscar Robertson, who we didn't see live. Um, or we can go off his stats and any old games that we've watched, but it's not enough to form a, a real opinion on it. And I'd also wait until Steph retired to judge him against other retired players. So that's where I stand. Bang. Two more to go, mate. And this one, I think, is going to cause the biggest old boy amongst us. Will Hurley, Giannis, will not win another MVP for the rest of his career. You know what? I don't mind it. Okay. All right. Thought that would get a bigger reaction, but no, I, I actually don't mind it because the voters' fatigue is real in terms of MVP. And I think every year they're looking for a story. This year, if Steph Curry wins it, it's going to be the resurgence of Curry in Golden State. And then you're going to have young stars in the future where they may not have as great a statistical season, but the story is there. It, it's it's the popular pick. So now that he's won two, there's not many players that win three or four MVPs. So I actually, I think he's got a point. I reckon he's got three years to do it. Well, Giannis is leading our MVP, so he might not win an NBA one, but he'll win the real one, which is all that you can ask for, mate, the TDs and threes MVP. But I don't think he's – I think Steph's going to win it, and I hope he wins ours as well because we'd like to match up. But then the two seasons after that, if he's the best player on the Bucs and they win the championship, I think he is going to win another one. So might disagree there. And one last one, mate, just as a bit of dessert, Josh Bielski, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, um, if the all-star voting stopped now, John Collins deserves a spot. Your thoughts? Off the top of my head, yes. I'd have to look into it a bit more. Hmm. But He's definitely not starting, but he's in contention no. for the bench, I think. He, he would be in contention for a bench spot, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've liked his season so far, and 
I was on the bandwagon that the Hawks should re-sign John Collins, and mm. they did, and look how it's gone. So uh, I'll take a W there. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So now you've got to award your favourite hot take uh, of the week, mate, and they're going to hold the crown until we ask again in a couple of weeks' time. So which take did you like the best? Uh, it's a tough one, but I think I like the Darius Garland over Colin Sexton take. I think I agree with that one the most, and I'm glad someone said it because I've been wanting to talk about it, but we haven't really <laughs> spoken about the Cavs that much. So I'm really glad that one came out. Bang, there we go. Lockie Wright, you are the TDs and threes uh, hot take winner. He has the crown. It's going to take a big take next week to knock him off, mate. All right, one last thing. We've read out and judged other people's hot takes. We are almost a third of the way into our season, and we need to do a hot take now for the people. And this is going to be one that is going to be used against us by the end of the season. So we've got to keep it current. What hot take have you got for the rest of the season, my friend? Gee, for the rest of the season, off the top of my head, my hot take is that Ben Simmons will be traded by the time we record next week. Oh, bang. I think something's going to get done. I think the wheels are really in motion here. Bang, there we go. I like that. Um, I'm going to go with the Mavericks miss the playoffs. But I think they are so far off at the Mavs at the moment and Luca can't do it on his own. And if KP is as inconsistent as the Melbourne weather at the moment, mate, I don't see them going anywhere. So Mavs miss the playoffs for mine. That's it, mate. We are done and dusted. Another week, another day, another dollar done. You can sign us off in your signature fashion and we'll catch everyone next week. Yeah, thanks for tuning in to the TDs and Threes NBA show. We love recording this one. It's, it feels like we've really created a nice little routine here with the TDs and Threes NBA show. Mm. So I hope you're all enjoying it. As always, feel free to message us via message boards or social media. Let us know if there's any segments you would like to hear. Message us your hot takes to get a shout out on the show. You might have the best one and get a thumbs up from me as well. But until next time, stay safe, everyone.